0: Brought to you by Roadcaster Pro. Hello and welcome to another edition of Mickey Rock Talk, the discussion podcast where we take a look at the interesting, grandiose career of Philip Andre Rourke Jr., or Sir Eddie Cook, or better known as Mr. Mickey Rourke. My name is Shane A. Bassett, your host, the movie analyst, and the two films on the agenda today are very different indeed. Bad Moon Rising, Credence, Clearwater, Revival, CCR. That song appears on the, well, appears in a couple of really good movies of the 80s. The Big Chill, which is related to what we are talking about today. Our first film, Body Heat, from 1981, The Big Chill, was written by Lawrence Kasdan, and Lawrence Kasdan made his debut as director of Body Heat, the movie we are first going to talk about. On Mickey Rourke Talk. Uh, that song, Bad Moon Rising, is a classic. And if you remember the horror film, American Werewolf in London, a very significant scene in that also has that song playing. And if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it. But you got to remember, it won an Academy Award for special effects makeup. And it was the first one to do so. And that song is playing at an appropriate time that the Oscar voters were watching. And I think that song might have had something to do with it as well as the amazing effects that happened to David Norton in An American Werewolf in London. Be that as it may, we are back to 1981. A film noir favourite, the sultry tale of desire, lust and passion, Body Heat. Have you seen it? Look, it's a bit of a classic. It's written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. His debut in the director's director's chair, as I mentioned. Up until then, he was only a writer. Uh, Of course, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I did mention The Big Chill, which came after this. And uh, he also did The Accidental Tourist. Uh, He directed that as well. Amazing movie with Gina Davis and William Hurt, who stars in Body Heat. He's also in The Big Chill. Kathleen Turner is in it with William Hurt. Body Heat I'm talking about. Ted Danson, Richard Krenner, and Mickey Rourke in not one but two pivotal scenes. Now the funny thing is it had been so long since I had watched Body Heat in full that I naturally just thought Mickey had one scene only. Uh, It's a terrifically memorable direct interaction with William Hurt The character that William Hurt plays and Mickey really have a great combination and it is unforgettable in its own way. I'll talk about it in detail shortly. Now, I never saw this movie at the cinema, very young at the time. Uh, In fact, I'm pretty sure I have only seen this around two or three times in the last 25 or so years. Now, I have the deluxe edition DVD, and that's what I watched to remind myself of the movie before doing this podcast. Now, the brief story outline for anyone who hasn't seen it is as follows. In the middle of a Florida heatwave, Ned Racine... William Hurt, is a lawyer with a dodgy history. Oh yeah, he's dodgy. He's corrupt. He's approached by Matty Walker, Kathleen Turner. Now, what seems random to begin with, isn't. And an affair begins. She convinces him to take out her rich fat cat investor husband, played by Richard Krenner, so they can reap the benefits. He has a fortune you see and maddie says to racine let's have it and enjoy life together now like any good detective style film noir think double crosses and plain as day setups look it's so much fun though through body heat it's definitely an offspring of the great double indemnity from 1944 with amazing barbara stanwick and fred mcmurray and edward g robinson Look, if you haven't seen Double Indemnity, it's not to be missed. Fun fact, Richard Krenner, who is in Body Heat as the husband, was in the 1973 remake of Double Indemnity. Sadly, I haven't seen it. Things go very wrong for Racine, and Maddie is laughing all the way. Typical film noir. Femme fatale. You're listening to the music of John Barry from the movie Body Heat. This particular piece is called Heather. Oh, how good is John Barry as a composer? Very noir-ish. Well, thank you, Mr. Barry. Okay, let's talk Mickey Rourke. He pops up first at about the 48 and a half minute mark. He's Teddy Lewis, the arsonist. Now Racine goes to him to have a discreet bomb made so he can set fire to an abandoned property where he hopes to dump the dead body of Mr. Walker. Richard Grenner, of course. Now, Mickey Rourke and Hurt have some really good chemistry. Their characters know each other. Uh, the connection is that Racine had helped Teddy out previously with the law, I assume, legally. It's never actually explained. Now, in this scene, Mickey is miming and singing along to a Bob Seger song. You'll hear that. You'll hear that in a second. Uh, he does all the talking in this scene, uh, and Racine, William Hurt, he basically just sits around. He sort of stands up for a bit. Then he sits down. Uh, He second guesses himself all the time whenever uh, Teddy's having a chat to him. Look, I guess it is the workshop of Teddy uh, or his house. Probably is his house and his workshop because there's a bunk bed. There's tables and chairs. There's a sofa. There's pictures of planes on the walls, which I found interesting. And no windows. So I definitely say uh, it's underground. In this scene, Mickey wears a black T-shirt, a black wristband, and it could be one of those tennis sweatbands. I think it is. He has a gold bracelet on, an earring in his left ear, blue jeans and runners or sneakers. The scene goes only for about three minutes. But Mickey gives a very strong, confident acting impression, and I can only imagine how much he stood out in 1981 this young agile good-looking actor and the first time you see him on screen he's singing along to this Bob Seger classic Mickey Rock fans will know exactly what I'm talking about I love Bob Seger. He has some really good songs. Uh, Who can forget old-time rock and roll in Risky Business? Of course, the 1983 Tom Cruise, Rebecca De Mornay. Classic comedy. Anyway, that one is just sensational. I think Mickey, when he pops up on screen, you just can't take your eyes off him. And no wonder he did so well, so well in his career from that point onwards for such a long time feel like a number, Bob Seger, yeah, that's the name of the song, Bob Seger sings, feel like a number, put it on YouTube, you'll see the scene in its entirety, in the second scene that Mickey Rock turns up in, uh, it's a little bit different and interesting, I've got to say, uh, I wasn't even sure what was going on because I had totally forgotten this bit until re-watching And it's about the one hour, 28 minute point. Teddy is in an interrogation type room with only Racine. Now, Teddy has come to see him with some information about Maddie, about uh, Kathleen Turner's vicious character. Because Maddie has approached Teddy to make a second bomb to set fire to her boathouse and make it look like an accident. But not long before this, Racine has been asked to go to the boathouse to pick something up by Maddie. Now, he he takes this really quite seriously. Mickey Rourke's acting, you can just tell. And again, the connection is terrific with William Hurt. It's confident and... Another strong acting moment between the pair. I really wish they had done something else together, in more scenes together, put it that way. The DVD that I have that I said, the deluxe edition, has quite a few very interesting deleted scenes, but none, unfortunately, with Mickey Rourke. Teddy's eyes in this second scene are red, they're watery. He looks strung out, like he's nervous. When he's talking to Racine, he wears a white, dirty T-shirt and jeans. It's an unforgettable moment and shows that Teddy is loyal and a friend to Ned Racine. And I think Mickey Rourke and William Hurt really need a round of applause for that. Well, there you go. Thank you very much. Does Mickey smoke in this? No, he does not. There's a stack of smoking, as is usually the case in film noir, but Mickey does not spark up once. He just constructs things that blow up and, you know, they have smoke and fire once they blow up, but he doesn't actually put a a cigarette in his mouth or a cigar or anything. It's really good, actually. Good to see. Could Mickey Rourke have played any other role? Well, maybe. Maybe the Ned Racine role. But Ned's a sap. He's a massive sap. And if you don't know what a sap is, you haven't watched enough Film Noir films. Some of the things that he says, the way he walks, uh, he's a loser. I mean, that's why he's taken advantage of by the awesome Kathleen Turner character, Maddie. Oh my goodness, what a role she had in this. And I, I mean, Crimes of Passion came not long after this and and uh, Romancing the Stone and War of the Roses. I mean, I mean, Kathleen Turner was also on fire during this period. Oh, she She's so gorgeous in this. Very Barbara Stanwyck, and I love it. Ted Danson. Could Mickey have played the Ted Danson role? Now, Ted Danson is in this not a lot. He sort of prances around, literally, in and out of uh, the movie. Ted Danson is brilliant in his dancing lawyer role. A Fred Astaire attorney... Always with light feet. So no, no Mickey there. Ted is on point. There's a little bit of a ballet joke. Mickey's too young to play the husband. Richard Krenner was terrific. He really good and memorable. Uh, maybe I think Mickey could have worked as the police detective, the friend of Racine. However, J.A. Preston as Oscar was just right also. Another actor here I want to mention quickly is Kim Zimmer as Mary Ann. Now, no, I'm not saying this because I think Mickey could have played this role. I just wanted to bring up Kim Zimmer. She's a a working actor that has been in a lot of stuff. And she has one scene in this as Mary Ann. Pivotal, another pivotal plot point. She's so good. Wowie. Kim Zimmer, look her up. And when you're watching this movie, I'm pretty sure you'll know exactly who she is. But I'll give you a hint. The gazebo. Ah, who can forget that song, Hearts on Fire, from Rocky Four? John Cafferty just makes you want to punch the air like Rocky does. Uh, I just thought Hearts on Fire, there was a lot of Hearts on Fire in Body Heat, and it's a movie you should really check out. You don't have to wait until November. Noia November, however you want to say it. Uh, it is a film noir and a classic early 80s movie that is not to be missed, but it really does go through the motions of double indemnity. Uh, among others, there's been other movies that came before it and movies that come after it that are similar, but that's what Detective Vendor Double Crosses in noir is all about. Saps. Ha <laughs> ha! Saps. Saps. Hey, that's a word. Humphrey Bogart says it in a couple of his movies. Now on to the next feature film for this episode of Mickey Rog Talk. From the year 1999. Some say one of the greatest years in movie history. There's even a book about it. Listen to this. This is just off the top of my head. The Matrix. Fight Club. Eyes Wide Shut. Magnolia. American Beauty, Varsity Blues, Jawbreaker, which wasn't as good as Heathers, but it is still up there. The Insider. Oh, wow. I want to watch The Insider again, just thinking about it. Russell Crowe, Christopher Plummer, Al Pacino. Two Hands. Now, Two Hands with a young Heath Ledger. Brian Brown's in it, filmed in Sydney. If You haven't seen Two Hands. Rose Byrne is also in it. you got to see it. Bringing Out the Dead. Ah, oh, Martin Scorsese, Nicolas Cage, Bowfinger. Very good comedy. Double Jeopardy, Cruel Intentions, Blair Witch Project. Now that changed everything in 1999. People thought it was real. It was a found footage movie. Wasn't the first found footage, footage movie, but it was up there as one of the first. I remember seeing a uh, wanted, oh no, a missing poster on a uh, light pole in Sydney with the three faces from the people in the Blair Witch Project saying they're missing. Do you know where they are? It was, it was just advertising for the movie and it worked. People thought it was real. Go. No, not go. Go away. I'm saying go. Doug Lehman film. Yes. Katie Holmes. You know the one. It is brilliant. The World is Not Enough was the 007 film out that year when Pierce Brosnan was still James Bond, and there's so many more in 1999, including a little crime drama, Out in 50, with Scott Leet. Now, more about him later. Also Peter Green. Nina Offenbach is in this. Have you ever heard of her? No, you haven't, because I haven't either, and you will know a little bit more about her, well, at least about her role in this movie shortly. Bo Jesse Christopher. hope I'm saying that right. And Mickey Rourke. Yes, of course, Mickey rocks in this movie. There's many cool cameos, which I'll highlight in a few moments. Um, but uh, I'll get to that because there's quite a few and it's interesting to just uh, tick those off and tell you who's, who to look out for while you're watching Out in 50. It's an extremely independent uh, filmmaking person's movie, I guess you could say. It was done on a shoestring. Written, produced, directed by dueling auteurs Scott Leet and Bo Jesse Christopher. Yes, those two who I just mentioned in the cast alongside Mickey. A brief rundown of the plot goes like this. Ray Fry has been in prison for an accidental murder of an ex-wife, I think of Detective Jack Bracken, Mickey Rock. He's a cowboy hat wearing stick of dynamite, who wants revenge on Fry because Fry's now out of the slammer. Yeah, he is. The whole movie has Bracken in the face of Fry with threats. He's dead if he slips up. Yep, that's right. Meanwhile, Fry gets a car detailing job with a pothead philanderer who at one point dresses like evil Knievel, Or I thought more like Rex Kramer, Danger Seeker, from the Kentucky Fried Movie. Yes, to the uninitiated, that is a real movie from the 70s, the Kentucky Fried Movie, with Rex Kramer, Danger Seeker.
1: It's been said that the test of a man's courage is how he performs in the face of danger. Well, in the next half hour, you're going to meet a very unique breed of cat. The kind of man who doesn't know the meaning of the word fear. Rex Kramer, part-time airline mechanic, full-time daredevil. A man willing to risk his life for the sake of adventure. He has to chase it, confront it, and whip it. Rex Kramer, danger seeker.
0: Uh, yes, uh, there is a little clip from the Kentucky Fried movie and uh, I do think that uh, Bo Jesse Christopher looks a little like Rex Kramer in a scene near a basketball court and he is just loose and stoned all the time and I know it's just the character, but uh, he was a little annoying. Let me put it that way. And he did not deserve the wife that he had in the film. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit in more detail shortly. Back to Mr Fry. He comes across an assortment of actors in cameos, as I mentioned along the way. Now, I'll go into detail shortly, but he also becomes close with Rex Kramer's wife, Gloria. She is wonderful. A good actor. Nina Offenbach. Sparkly eyes, pouty and thin lips at the same time. Unique little ears, wavy blonde ash hair, Look, I'm surprised this actor did not do more films. I found her to be delightful. So, Fry deals with a, a maniac Mickey after him constantly, like, following her, following him all the time. And also, Fry has the knowledge that Gloria's husband may be cheating on her. Uh, there's actually a lot happening in this movie, and I liked it a lot, actually. I, I'd seen it once, and then I thought. Okay, I'm going to just throw it on. It was a random pick for this podcast and uh, I'm really glad I did because I last saw it many years ago. I have not one but two copies of the DVD. You'll never find it streaming or I doubt it anyway. Who knows? It could be on YouTube. A lot of uh, good movies are. Hint, hint. Now, why don't we talk Mickey Rourke? That's why we're here, isn't it? Sadly, this was during his forgotten years. Not by me though, but by Hollywood. He was a little bit forgotten during this period. It was his first day in LA.
1: Who's
2: the kid? Kid's got enough problems.
0: Now he's got one more.
1: And Ray Fry scored. (laughs) He killed a cop's wife. Now he's out on the street trying to go straight.
3: I'm here just trying to make good on a second chance.
1: But he's got a parole officer. Don't cross me. A town full of eccentrics.
2: You wally off?
1: Welcome to Fantasy Island. Bada boom, bada bing. And the dead girl's husband to deal with. I'm sorry for what happened, Jack. I can slice him up like a pickle, sleep like a baby.
3: When are you gonna realize I ain't your enemy?
1: When Vicky comes back from the dead. Ray was going down the hard way until he met Gloria.
3: This town is only big enough for the two of us.
1: And her husband Steve.
0: I love you guys, man.
3: I feel safe when you're around.
1: You're married.
3: Steve doesn't care about me.
1: Now, he's back where he started.
0: Pretty hot for my wife.
1: When you're trying to go straight, the street is the last place you want to be. You are on
0: the edge. Did
1: you look in the mirror lately? You're burnt, brother. I mean, you don't need this anymore. I'm not ready to turn my goddamn badge in my gun. Without hope or a home, sometimes you cross that line. Then, there's only one way out. Away for years.
3: Album 50,
1: <laughs> starring Mickey Rourke, Scott Leed, Christina Applegate, Peter Green, and Balthazar Getty. Out in 50 from Amco Entertainment.
0: Ah, uh, you could just hear some of that horrendous music. And that's what I'm talking about. That's just the touch of it. That goes all the way through it. Plus, there's some songs that I found irritating. However, oh, well, I won't say too much about that. We first see Mickey Rourke at the 4 minute, 20 second mark. He's in a cap, which is kind of unusual for him. His hair is pretty long and stringy, dirty by the look of it. Now, throughout the movie, he wears a cowboy hat, often with Sonny's. Sitting on top, that's sunglasses sitting on top. Multicolored shirts, undone, black t shirt underneath. He wears a light blue long sleeve t shirt in a few scenes that I liked. I wouldn't mind one of those. Um, it was covered in diamonds and circles and, you know, it really, really kind of suited him because it was a, a color that went with Mickey's skin color at the time. Definitely. You look good. Does Mickey suit the role? Well, I think so uh <laughs> he was pretty out there. he's good uh It was the limbo period, as I like to call it uh and the fact that these boys offered him work was magnificent i, I mean, I'm sure Mickey appreciated to just to be there and give him some work and I know for a fact that around this time he was happy that some people were just asking him to do work because he was kicked around a lot back then, and Hollywood did not want him. The role is obsessive, and Mickey knows how to work that. Uh, I mean, he wants Fry dead, and he's influenced by drugs and booze and excessive actions all the way through this movie until an unexpected sentimental finale. Yes, there is a bit of a sentiments sentiment in this movie. Another piece of sentiment that I was shocked about was Life is Beautiful was referenced the 1997 Italian award winner life is beautiful it's in a little chick flick moment that you yeah there's a date happens in this movie at the movies and the film is life is beautiful well there you go must have been filmed around 97 when this when or it might have been 98 when the, the movie life is beautiful it was screening in the US I'm not sure but uh interesting if it was a real a real sign ...out the front of a picture theatre. it Could be, and they might have just filmed the actors walking out. and They didn't even see the movie. But just to have it included as part of the story plotline was incredible. And before I talk cameos, you did hear a, a couple mentioned in that trailer. But what I didn't like about Out in 50... ...is something I've already mentioned. The awful music... The opening song, actually, all the music on the soundtrack is horrendous, but maybe the budget was the reason and the artists were just happy to be featured. I think my ears heard something and I didn't bother rewinding it, but Country Road, Take Me Home, that song, best known by John Denver, I think there was a violin instrumental of that tune, if I'm not mistaken, also. Correct me if I'm wrong when you're watching this movie. Here are the cameos. Well, these are the ones that I highlighted. Not really a cameo is Peter Green. He's partners with Mickey's detective character and putting up with the wild nature that Jack is just on the edge in Morning Fry Dead. Peter Green was in The Mask with Jim Carrey and, of course, Zed in Pulp Fiction. Christina Applegate, one of my favorites, all time favorites. If I was doing a top ten female actors, she would be right up there. I love her. She's very funny. She's gorgeous, and also can do some drama as well. But here, here she plays Lila, <laughs> a very interesting role. A little bit like Mickey pops up in uh, a little bit like Mickey in Body Heat pops up in two scenes. Uh, she scores money off Fry who's very generous and wants to help her out. He's not; It's not sexual at all. Uh, and it's just wonderful because she combs her hair in the street twice. She, she curls and combs her hair, and she's got this beautiful smile. It's irresistible. Who is Spike? Mickey Rourke and Spike. Now, Spike is this dude, that big guy that I recognized. I thought I recognized this guy immediately. And the detective that Mickey plays basically tackles him for drugs. Uh, Abraham Bem Ruby. Yeah, that's his name. I would never have got that. But you'll see his face. He's one of those guys. Nikki Bokel as Sarah. Now, this isn't really a cameo either. And I've never heard of Nikki. But I'm never going to forget her now. She's an evil neo-noir goddess. In the making, she could have been in L.A. Confidential. She could have been in Body Heat. She could have been in some really good film noir. She's got that look. She plays Gloria's sister, Sarah. Hey, two meals for Sister Sarah, Clint Eastwood movie. And Nikki, as Sarah, looks like Veronica Lake. Yes. <laughs> Do you know who Veronica Lake is? Well, Well, okay. That's sad if you don't. She's been in a few noirs and I Married a Witch. Very funny in that movie. Uh, And Kim Basinger did not play Veronica Lake in LA Confidential. (laughs) If you've seen that, you'll know what I'm talking about and why I just said that. Because she gets mistaken as Veronica Lake. Okay, I was really happy and stoked to see Alexis Arquette here. Now, recently I spoke to David Arquette and... You'll be able to hear that interview or watch that interview on my uh, YouTube channel, I guess. If you want to go there, give you the details on that later. But just Google my name; I think it comes up. And we spoke a little bit about the late Alexis. Now it was 1999 too, and Alexis was in. He oh no, he was in Seven, not Fight Club. Seven was a couple of years earlier. Yeah, I get those two mixed up all the time because they're both 9.5 out. Out of ten movies, better than sex. Both movies are better than sex, yes. Fight Club and seven. Uh, Now, Mickey Rourke, he whispers something in the ear of Alexis Arquette because Fry goes to see her about a job and uh, she's smiling. And I think she was going to employ Fry. But uh, Mickey, because he's causing so much trouble towards Fry, um, all of a sudden... Whatever he whispers in her ear made her change her mind, unfortunately. But Alexis, oh, I miss her. She is, she's in some really good movies. The Wedding Singer. Anyway, good to see her in this cameo. Uh, Parole Officer is played by Ed Lauder. Oh, Ed Lauder, the coach in Youngblood. <laughs> he and Mickey, well, actually, Mickey punches him out. It's a really intense scene. It's two good actors going at it. I loved it. Really cool. Love Ed Lauder. And uh it was good to see those two together. Hope they had a good chat off camera and, and got along because I think Ed and Mickey would be <laughs> pretty cool. Poor Ed isn't here anymore. Uh now, Boltz I'm gonna get his wrong name wrong, Bolts, uh, Getty played lefty in a couple of scenes. Uh Boltsar is in Young Guns and, and a lot of other stuff. You'll know his face. He's a pimp or slash manager of a hotel. He wears this purple fur coat in it too. And I thought that was very cool. The costumes were done by B. I don't know who B is. And B had a cameo in this movie, but I still don't know who B is. But uh, according to the credits at the start of the movie, when I was watching it, costumes were by... B. That's a capital B with a full stop. If he or she supplied Baltzar with this uh, purple fur coat, I'm impressed. <laughs> I want one. And also look fast or listen carefully for Johnny Whitworth of Empire Records and Limitless. Yeah, you got to look real fast. Would I suggest to watch this film out in 50 Well, as I mentioned, I have two DVD copies of it. So, does that answer your question? Thought I'd add uh, a bit of that pretty in pink by the psychedelic furs because it's, uh, you know, it's from a a pretty well-known popular romantic movie and who knew that Life is Beautiful was going to be referenced in Out in 50. Yes, indeed. I think Mickey Rock fans only will really appreciate this the most. Uh, Or if you want to look back, at an unknown independent crime thriller drama with an array of, like a whole array. And they're all enthusiastic cast, including Mickey. I think he's, he's really into this role. It looks like he's having a lot of fun, especially with uh, Peter Green. Gloria is cute, cool, funny, and has high worth ethics. She has ambitions It killed me during a scene where she goes for an audition. What happens? It really did. I felt for her. She's unforgettable. The performance by Nina Offenbach is one for the ages. I really wish there was more movies with Nina. Micro budget or not, look, it's a pretty good movie for what it is, out in 50. Look, it's got good intentions. Uh, There's emotion in... Throughout the violent proceedings, it's very cool to see uh, driving around LA and filming from the car window. A lot of it you can tell. Uh, you can often see the Hollywood sign in the background, which I always love. And I always try and look at the shops and the, and the buildings that they drive past, you know, see if I can see any marquees, cinemas. Both Scott and Bo Jesse. I think they were successful in what they did. Scott, in particular, is a cool customer. Really good screen identity as Fry. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed, it. if you made it this far, Body Heat and Out in 50. Two movies for Mickey Rock fans to indulge. And hopefully, I gave a few spoilers away, but not too many. I don't like to spoil everything. Thank you for listening to another edition of Mickey Rourke Talk. What a great time I had today. I really did. And I'm sure I didn't cover everything, but the focus normally is just on Mickey anyway, during each rundown, uh, what he gets up to, what he wears, if he smokes, which, you know, he smokes a bit in this. Trust me, I didn't even want to mention it, but why not? If you have questions, you can find me on social media at movie underscore analyst or email me, Shane Adam Bassett, at gmail.com or I'm on radio across Australia or my talk show, interview heavy YouTube channel. He, it has some great uh, chats with a range of artists in film, music and more. So check that out. Movie analyst Shane Adam Bassett on YouTube is the name to look for. Okay, that's it. Until the next edition of a Mickey Rock Talk which uh, I have no idea what movie I'll do next. Maybe you can uh, make a suggestion. I just gave you my email address or DM me on social media. Thanks again for joining me. My name is Shane A. Bassett and bye for now. Long live Mickey Rog. What's the
2: matter? You can't thank a little music? It's like this. I said it's fast, it's hard, it's simple. That's it. Yeah, you can use the clock or rig it to something that moves. It starts big, it'll go with just the mag chips. If you want a little more, splash a little accelerator around. So just regular gasoline? Yeah, regular, unleaded, supreme, whatever you like, counselor. I gotta tell you, though, this mama's got a big drawback to it.
1: What? It's easy to spot.
2: Even after the meltdown, they're gonna know it's arson.
1: I don't care about that. That's all there is to it.
2: No, no, that ain't all there is to do it. You gotta get in, you gotta get out. You gotta pick the right spot, the right time. And you gotta try not to get famous while you're in the act. That's all there was to it, any idiot could do it. I'm sorry. Hey, now, I wanna ask you something. Are you listening to me, asshole? Because I like you. I got a serious question for you. What the fuck are you doing? This is not nice shit for you to be messing with. Are you ready to hear something? I want you to see if this sounds familiar. Anytime you try a decent crime, you got 50 ways you can fuck up. If you think it's 25 at end, then you're a genius. And you ain't no genius. You remember who told me that? There ain't no smoking in here. Look, why don't you let me do it for you? Gratis, I'll do it. I wouldn't even be on the street if it wasn't for you. Thanks. I sure hope you know what you're doing you better be damn sure because if you ain't sure then don't do it of course that's my recommendation anyway don't do it because i'll tell you something counselor this arson is serious crime (laughs)
0: uh bravo mickey from the warner brothers motion picture body heat